Hey everybody, it's Tom Hayes. I get me every single time. Every single time. Hey my, this is Tom Hayes. I am, it is a Friday afternoon snow. Absolutely incredible snow here in Boston. Well, I'm out in Templeton, Massachusetts right now in the remote studio. Uh, See a winter wonderland. Actually, it's quite beautiful, even though it is way too early for this. I have a great show today. I'm a, a little bit behind as always, but I am just plugging in the numbers to call an amazing woman, a great friend of mine, and it's a wild and crazy story how we met. And uh, we're going to do that as soon as uh, we call. Um, I hope she picks up because she's a very with phone calls all over the world, all over the country. She's uh, it is four o'clock, and uh, she lives out in Omaha, Nebraska, and she lives there. And oh well, let's uh, let's do that again. Um, oh, okay. Uh, until we get her. Uh, oh, come on, folks. Hello? Hello. Oh, there you are. Hey, I've just been talking like hey. an idiot until you show. How are you, Linda? Hey, I'm good. One second. You know, when we do this in this homespun way, there's always always a glitch somewhere, but we get there yeah. eventually. How are yeah. you? So I am good. I'm good. So am I clear? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, we can should be able to get your volume up just a little bit more, I, I think. Okay. Um, try, you want to do a little test? Or? Yeah, is this better? Yeah, much better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How I was you? just in my shy, quiet voice. I'm good. Okay, yeah. I'm get, good. Get your, we want your, your booming, spiritual, fearless, uh, intrepid world traveler, miracle uh, observer, and uh, beneficiary, that kind of voice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. Uh, whenever we do these, how many have we done? I think we've done a couple, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think maybe three because we did. Um... I think after I went to, I can't, I mean, Peru, we, I mean, I think, I think three, because I was, I found them, I was looking on Facebook, and I found, I was like, oh, yeah, and so I, then I looked on, and they were still archived, and so I sent them to a few people that, you know, just would appreciate the journey. Yeah, and I, I love the title you gave me today, The Road from Fear to Magic, The Long Road from Omaha, Nebraska to Pune, India. I think it's yeah, Pune is what we call it. Pune. Um, okay, thank you. Um, I I always enjoy telling our encounter how this all happened because that alone is is enough of, for a a podcast. Um, yeah. Shall I give it from my viewpoint first? And I then... I think so. Yeah, I think okay. so. Um, and let me switch. So let me switch to my AirPods, and you tell me if the sound is better or worse. One second. Well, that's worse because I can't hear you at all. <laughs> you hear me here now? Oh no! Are you, are you, go ahead, say something. Test. Yes, yeah, you hear me now? 
Yeah, oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah, I've got my AirPods on, and sometimes they're better. Okay, good. Yeah, Yeah, much, much better. Thank you. All right, so uh, here goes. Uh, At the time, I was involved with um, my my venture with uh, uh, Beantown Pals, which was a uh, um, we created a character. I started an animation business after I retired, and uh, the animation business turned into a toy business, and it was all centered around uh, Boston, which is known as Beantown. Uh, we created a character, an actual character, and we actually patented and uh, copyrighted the character. And from that, we had a mascot, and we had uh, a toy line as well as some animations and. From uh, yeah, I'll let you fill in more of the details, but I'm remembering now that you were actually <laughs> uh, had found the bean before you found me. You were on Newbury Street, but in any case, um, I was heavily involved in the business, and, but yet I was still doing uh, stand-up comedy, and I had a show with a um, if I get it right, a software company that did created software for banks. And it was in a uh, the John Moakley uh, courthouse, which, you know, I dreaded all day long. Number one, I didn't think uh, entertaining software engineers was going to be uh, the, the prime audience for me, nor did I, I know the, the structure of the John Moakley building. It's this huge uh, venue, I mean, with just a wall of glass, beautiful building looking out into Boston Harbor. And uh, I just knew the conditions, everything. I was in a negative, negative mood. However, I was reading. I was heavy back into creative visualization and the law of attraction. And I had been reading Abraham Hicks' uh, book, The Law of Attraction. So I said to myself, enough uh, negativity. Spin this in a positive way. You're going to go. You're going to have a great time. You're going to... um, wow these people they're going to be wonderful people and it's going to be a fabulous show and i tried to hold on to that feeling as long as i could as i looked (laughs) at the setup which was absolutely miserable but as i started the show it was magical everybody had a good time i had a good time so much so that when i finished I uh, there were so many people giving me kudos and, con- and accolades and congratulations. Blah, blah blah. I was starving, and I uh, I think I almost passed out. I was so hungry, and I I just all I wanted to do is grab a plate of food and hide. And I got as far away from the crowd as I could. And all of a sudden, this <laughs> young lady walks up to me, and I'm like, oh, I just want to eat. Uh, and but. You were so cordial, and you said, hi, I just wanted to tell you how great the show was, and I said, thank you. And so to make a little, uh, uh, you know, a little conversation, I said, uh, gee, how long have you been at the bank? And you said to me, oh, about 25 years, I think, at that time. And you said, uh, I said, do you enjoy it? You said, well, yeah, but they, uh, their, their mindset's a little different than mine. They kind of come from a, a point of... Uh, scarcity and I uh, like to think of abundance and I said to you the law of attraction and you said Abraham Hicks I think and at that time I was struggling with the the part of the book where I was wondering is it actually me creating it or is it 
something else? Is it something bigger than me? Is it the universe? Is it God? What is it? And so I explained that to you, and you said to me, well, you really don't have a grasp on co-creation. And now (laughs) that began a relationship. Because, come on, how many people walk around with a a working knowledge of co-creation and the law of attraction and Abraham Hicks and you sat down and we just engaged. Uh, you, uh, the answer that I was looking for was absolutely a manifestation. I'm looking for the answer to co-creation. And you sit down and start to explain it to me. And um, the fact that even though I tried to hide, you f- found me. So a uh, long story short, a lot of magic to me. I can't interpret it anyway, simply in that connection. And then we became friends. We spent the rest of the night talking about that. And, uh, and then, uh, and you explained how you knew about the bean and found that. And then, for a while, you were coming to Boston a lot. And we, uh, and we, whenever we did that, we found a way to to get together and and talk about all this great stuff. And then, uh, so I'll let you bring it up to point what you how you came up to me, and how you saw it. Yeah, thanks, Tom. <laughs> So from, from my experience, and again, you know, we were, I was with, you know, all of our users at this, you know, banking conference and, and I thought you were hysterical and I didn't feel like the audience, you know, really responded, you know, as openly as they should have. So I really wanted to make sure, you know, that you knew that, you know, it was, it was a great show. And then, you know, within, you know, like 90 seconds, the fact that we were on to law of attraction and speaking of, you know, co-creation and the universe, you know, I, I was as shocked as you were. And then, you know, at one point, um, you, you know, you actually offered, you know, one of your beans, you know, which was one of your, the um, toys, little yeah. plastic toys, right? And so I said, I know your bean. And it was because my daughter and I had uh, been on Newbury Street, um, and we were actually going to the cupcake store, right. and the bean was, you know, opening that cupcake store. And so, you know, we had my daughter and I just watched from afar, and we're like, "What's, you know, kind of what's going on here, right?" Um, <laughs> and you know, then of course we ended up going to the store, you know, and you know, buying several items, and so. The the funny part is 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 even today you know you know my family knows you know you as the bean guy right the bean guy from Boston and they yeah, instantly I, know you know who and it was so fun when you know the kids came out on our, my last trip to Boston last year that they actually got a chance you know to meet you in person. Yeah, I mean you know if talk about law of attraction. I mean if it, that's is you know I think. Uh, who is the, the big law of attraction guy, Bob? Um, I forget his last name right now. And, uh, but yeah, so, but then it got even more wild because I think we lost contact for a while. And you called me one day out of the blue and I, said to me, I don't know if you remember me. And I laughed. I said, I remember you. How can I possibly forget that encounter? And uh, I think that was the beginning of your magical ride with that day you called me and you uh, asked me, you had just been let go from that company and you wanted something told you to connect with me to ask me my advice. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so, you know, because I grew up at that company, 
and I was pretty clear, um, you know, that it was it may be time for me to leave um, just as things were changing, but I didn't have the courage because, again, I grew up there and, and thought my role was to kind of hold things together. Um, and at the point, you know, when it was time to be done with that adventure, it was like, okay, what's next? And how do I, how do I think about, you know, what's next? And what was really important in our conversation, and, and I still have the notes that I took because I wrote copious notes of like everything that you shared with me, but one of the key messages that, that you gave to me at that time was, because, you know, you knew that I traveled, um, I'd been, you know, to the Himalayas, you know, I'd done some things, um, seen, you know, the world, and you said, okay, if you've seen the Grand Canyon and you can imagine how that was created, like why would you limit your possibilities to what you can create? So you said, I know you're creative. You can imagine a lot of things personally, but, but really, why would you limit your possibilities? And so that was one of those key, you know, key messages when I realized that you know, it wasn't me that had to go find this. It was me that had to be open to the possibilities. Wow. Fabulous. Fabulous. That's, I got the chills now listening to that. That's great. Go ahead. Yeah. And so um, what was interesting on that journey um, is the fact that if you would have told me that I would actually be off for 42 out of 52 weeks after that call, <laughs> I, would have, I would be freaking out because I did not know how this was all going to work. Because interesting enough, um, during that time, uh, you know, my husband had hip replacement surgery. Um, I quickly picked up a second job. I mean, within two weeks, more because I thought I needed a job, not because I was listening to your advice. Picked up a job, um, thought it, you know, could be, you know, a great new thing. And within 90 days, that job went away. And I'm like, really? You can lose two jobs in 90 days? Like, how is this possible? And that was the Monday of Thanksgiving. You know, and again, companies that would, you know, let people go on the Monday before Thanksgiving, you're like, huh, that's probably not the integrity that you're, you know, interested in. And so now both my husband and I are going to be off. Um, and so no income is coming in. Um, and then, of course, what I realized at that time was there was a lot of unlearning that I needed to do. So a couple of the lessons. The first one was my relationship with time because now, actually, I was the one that was deciding how I was going to spend, you know, every minute. And when I talked to my financial planner at the time, you know, I said, you count the pennies. I'm not going to be on that committee. But I'm going to have 11 million moments because I figured if I lived till I was 90 and I slept for seven hours, I'd have 11 million moments. And I said, it's your job to make sure I have enough money, enough pennies to do whatever I wanted to do in those 11 million moments. So that was my relationship with time. The second part is my relationship with money, right? And the idea of the fact that, you know, just because there wasn't money coming in, didn't mean that there wasn't an abundance of money. And what I learned over the next events that happened was the fact that I was so lucky to have an abundance of time at that time, maybe not an abundance of money, 
because the next thing that came up was my younger sister was diagnosed with cancer. And so during that journey is I could show up for every doctor's appointment, you know, chemo, radiation, everything that she, you know, experienced. And I had a gift of time that I could show up for her. Um, you know, our parents, uh, my mother had passed away. So I was, you know, really kind of in charge of this. And the fact that I had all the freedom that I needed to show up for her. I also had a, one of my best friends that was in her last stage um, of breast cancer. And I also had a chance to spend time with her. And when she made her transition, you know, everybody was so shocked. And they're, they're like, but Linda, like, like, we didn't know it was going to happen this fast. And like, we missed our moment. And, and I was so grateful that I didn't miss my moment. Um, so that was, um, you know, another lesson that I had to unlearn about my relationship with time. A third event that was so critical, you know, in this time off was the fact that a good friend of mine who is a huge adventurous spirit, the day that my second job went away, she was mentioning to me that she was taking a group um, to actually to India to trek in the Himalayas. And, you know, in my mind, you know, I'm from Nebraska, so like 300 above sea level. You know, I'd never hiked or camped in my life. And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, what can I say yes to? Okay, a trek in the Himalayas for my friend's 50th birthday or house payments. And I just kept, you know, going back and forth. I'm like, well, wait a second. Like, I'm always going to have house payments. <laughs> I'm not always going to have an opportunity to trek for my friend's 50th birthday. And so I said yes um, to, you know, this adventure to India. Um, and so the time, you know, that was necessary for me to prepare, prepare for that event. And it was a challenge to step way outside my comfort zone. I mean, we're talking like as far outside I could even dream um, to be trekking in Himalayas. And so the first night that I was in the tent, in the Himalayas, I mean, that was the first night I'd ever camped in my life. And people, you know, as I was preparing, were like, you're doing what? Like, what practice hikes have you been? You mean your first trip is to the Himalayas? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> and so it was one of those deals where I think, you know, the universe was basically challenging me to say, okay, you know, you have an opportunity and, you know, how big a risk are you going to take? And so you know, fear had been, you know, kind of my constant companion. And I basically, you know, took a huge leap of faith to decide to go trekking in the Himalayas. <laughs> oh, this is so much fun. I, you know, I've got so much, I'm actually, seriously, I'm getting the chills as you uh, explain these things because uh, they, to me, you know, I fit them into my model of, you know, my perception of the world and life. And, uh, you know, I, I see it all as at some point you must have come across the, the spiritual concept of a golden thread. We all have a golden thread in our journey that it's kind of all been laid out for us and that, um, you know, we do have a destiny and, but we still have free choice and you can either, you know, go with the flow as they say, and, to me, this, you know, v validates my conception of that, that 
you 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 got laid off for a reason. You got laid. <laughs> I think I told you at the uh, when you first called. I think I might have said do nothing. Just you, you said yeah, but I gotta gotta have money. I gotta do. I, I said watch what happens. I said you you've been set free. You're out there like a free radical. Uh, when a you know an electron gets hit with a beam, it becomes a free radical and floats around till it locks into a higher orbit. And I said, I think you're on your way to a higher orbit. And um, don't worry, um, something's looking out for you. Your, your higher self, the universe, God, um, is starting, has released you from the orbit that you were previously in. And now you're going to have amazing adventures. And so <laughs> listening to this all over again, I can't hear it enough. Um, and especially with the fear part, this you know this, uh, you know this lady in in Nebraska who's now in my Come on, folks, um, and especially the fact that you never had. Again, it fits into what you just told me a couple of minutes ago. That why limit your sense of what you want? Let the universe, and you, you could have. I'm sure you could have never even imagined Himalayas at the time. Wildest dreams, and and you mentioned the golden thread, and what was so interesting is things. So, for instance, you know, money was getting tight, and I happened to attract, you know, a contract job, a 90-day contract job during this time, and I was uh, sitting, you know, in the chemo office with my sister, and this is her last chemo treatment, and. I got this job offer and I said, well, I would love to do this, but I've committed to 17 days, you know, trekking in the Himalayas during this 90 day contract. And the answer was, Oh, I think that'll be fine. And I'm just like, okay, really? Like who is going to like allow someone on a 90 day contract to be gone for 17 days. Right. And it was just like the universe saying, Hey, I know it's going to be tight while you're on your trek, so let me just get some, you know, revenue flowing. Um, and then, then some of the the golden thread opportunities started to show up. So, for example, I had, you know, posted for a job in January of that year, and it wasn't until I got back from my trek that I got a call basically from the company that I had posted the job for in January. And now this is August. And what was so interesting is they said, yeah, we were talking with someone, um, you know, yesterday and they mentioned your name and I sent my resume. They flew me out and literally within a week, you know, I had a job at, at salesforce.com, which was so interesting in the fact that when I was speaking to the vice president, in my interview, you know, he said, well, how do you see this working? Because, of course, they were based in California. I was based in Nebraska. And our interview was over the phone. And he said, where's area code 402 anyway? I said, I can't believe you don't know that. That's Omaha, Nebraska. And he said, well, you know, how do you think this is going to work? And I said, well, I said, I think because I knew my family, you know, wasn't, you know, willing to move to California. I said, well, I think maybe a week in the outsource team, a week in California, and two weeks, you know, a month in Omaha. And he said, well, I'm not tied for that position necessarily to be California-based. And I was like, okay, great. And so, you know, fast forward to the conversation when they were giving me the offer, you know, the recruiter's like, say we were thinking like maybe, a, you know, a week 
in California a week and the outsourcers in two weeks at, at home, you know, what do you think? And I'm just like, okay, I think that'll be just fine <laughs> because of course that's what, you know, that's what I suggested. So, you know, here we go. I'm now going to be a telecommuter, you know, with a technology company, you know, most innovative company, you know, by Forbes at that time. You know, I'm 50, uh, 48 years old, having a chance to learn a brand new technology set in a, you know, brand new city and not going to have to move my family. And so, like, I was just a little bit shocked and amazed that although I'd planted the seeds back in January, it wasn't time for it to become real, you know, until I started, you know, actually I noticed it was 10 years ago yesterday that I started my adventure, you know, at Salesforce, which was a fabulous adventure. And, and one of the things that I knew is that, you know, a Silicon Valley company like Salesforce was literally going to suck every ounce of energy that I had if I wasn't careful because, you know, there was, it, it was a company that moved very, very fast. So I made a commitment to myself that I would still do a spiritual adventure um, and so, again, the way things go for me is I saw someone post something on Facebook, and I thought, huh, that sounds interesting. But I, I let it sit for a little bit. Well, that weekend, I had a dream that one of my really good friends, David, um, had posted on Facebook the list of who was going on that trip, and my name was on it. So this was all a dream. And so for me, the fact that it was David, who knew me very well, that it was on Facebook and it showed up in a dream, like I knew I was supposed to go on this trip. So to continue with your golden thread idea is this trip uh, was a spiritual pilgrimage um, that we went to the Starts Cathedral. We followed the Mary Magdalene story. Um, and But most importantly was a chance for me to meet the woman who was leading this adventure. Her name was Cynthia James. And I didn't know anything about her and I didn't, know why but of course once i went on that spiritual journey with her then it became clear that she was going to be one of my mentors and teachers you know for the next adventure so that golden thread just led me to actually meet her you know in france um and then you know continue to to go on the adventure and so i'm in france i'm going to go on this adventure first day on the bus you know i know like Two, one or two people, you know, in this group, and I sit down on the bus, and they have flyers on the bus, and I pick up the flyer, and it says, Adventure to Machu Picchu in Peru, and I was like, wait a second here, like, wait a second, because, like, I'm just starting this adventure in, in France, but I had this strong sense that I was supposed to go to Peru, and I'm like, okay, I'm confused, so I just kind of, you know, hung tight on that, but it was very clear that, you know, this spiritual golden thread adventures was that one of my next adventures, you know, was to go with her, you know, actually to brew. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, we had very special experiences in Machu Picchu. Um, but it was a case where this was a commitment that I made that although I was doing fabulous work, you know, at this technology company, I was honoring my commitment to my spiritual journey. So I continued on, um, on these adventures. And then she also had a coaching program. And so 
we kind of had this interesting conversation because she, you know, had people apply and like I didn't, you know, I work for a technology company, so I'm not a coach. I'm not a, I mean, I do this kind of because I love to, to help and serve people, but I, I didn't see myself as a professional coach. And she said, yeah, but you're supposed to be part of this program. I'm like, okay, fine. So I submitted my application and then I became part um, of her coaching program, which has really helped me, you know, in my professional job because, you know, I manage people, I interact with people all the time. So although I'm not a professional coach, I can do a lot of great work with people, um, you know, in my day job. Amazing. Just, it's, it's a delight to hear this. It's, it's, <laughs> again, to set it out there, I, you know, I think um, key for me through all of this right now is, you know, that I, I, it's one of the things that I, uh, let me say, I have to qualify. I try to tell people when they they tell me that they're, you know, really hooked on the law of attraction, creative visualization, et cetera. And I say, well, I, I, I'll try to do this real quick. I think I told you the story about the time I manifested a, a new car. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually from George. We both know George. From his dealership, I had had two 10-year-old cars. I was completely broke. Um, the bean had kind of, I th- think, uh, we were all out of money. I didn't have any money. I had no credit. So in two 10-year-old cars, and I had a, my Russian family at the time, and so there was uh you know, I didn't know how to do this. And somebody handed me the, the book, The Secret. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do this stuff. And so every morning I'd meditate on a car. Now, uh, long story short, I got, <laughs> I, I, I went to the dealership not to, to talk. I have, again, no idea how this would happen. Uh, and I go to the dealership and a salesman sees my 10-year-old Tacoma and says, uh, uh, are you here for the recall? He was Egyptian. I, I, I've got to know him. He's a great friend now. Uh, and I'm what? He says, there's a recall on your truck. I said, what? He says, go talk to the uh, salesman. And sure enough, the salesman, uh, the service manager said, uh, yeah, there's a, there's rust on those trucks. I need your keys. And he says, and if you've got rust, you can't. And as soon as I gave him the keys, I knew, I just knew that I was getting a new, this was the answer. I was going to get a new car. Sure enough, I came back and I mentioned nothing to George. So he didn't pull any strings. And when I went back, the service minister said, yeah, you've got rust on that truck. You can't take it. And uh, uh, Toyota will be sending you a check for $13,000. The truck was 10 years old, and I had bought it secondhand. And I got uh, got about six or seven years out of it. Um, And so I just smiled. I said, I, I," and and, and they're going to, again, we're going to qualify, I, just manifested a truck and uh he says yeah and he says and there's a rental vehicle coming to you from um one of the rental companies and he said uh it'll be here in a couple of minutes so he says you can use that for the three weeks and there's no charge so i go out in this uh tundra i'm waiting in the parking lot this beautiful tundra i left in a 1999 tacoma and a 2009 tacoma comes a big black a tundra tundra came around the corner with this gorgeous, cute, blonde, uh, California-looking gal driving. She couldn't have been more than early 20s. And she pulls up to me and says, "Uh, is this yours? And I said, yeah, I think so. And she said to me, 
uh, how's your day going? And I teased her and I said something. I flirted with her and I said, honey, you tell me you're coming with that truck. It's going to be one of the best days of my life. So she laughed. I got in and I, I continued to laugh. And she says to me, uh, what are you laughing about? I goes, I just manifested a new car. She says, I said, somebody handed me the book, The Secret, a couple of weeks ago, and I just did everything in there. And I just, and she said, now, she, again, she was young. So just as how is it coincidental that you and I were reading or familiar with the, the Law of Attraction with Abraham Hicks, she says to me, I love that book. She mm-hmm. says, I read it to cover to cover. And she says, but Tom, now this was an amazing lesson for me. This shifted my thinking drastically. With, with her words. And again, I have to think that of the golden thread. So this young 21 year old, uh, very vi- uh, vivacious, um, attractive woman uh, says to me, Tom, it's a great book, but it's much easier than that. And she says, God's got a plan for you. And if you just relax, everything's going to work out. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, not only did I get a new truck, uh, I, I get the ride home in a new truck. My, I, my, of course, my Russian family, they saw me leave in this 10-year-old truck and come back with a brand new Tundra with about 20 miles on it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and they're just staring at me and I goes, welcome to America. And, uh, and, and, and for all of those things to happen, and, but the biggest part was the spiritual lesson that came with it. And since then, you're right. I, I, what I said to you is don't, how can you, how can our puny egotistical imaginations possibly, possibly understand the abundance that can come to us from the other side? We can't. And so listening to your story, it's, um, it's all validated in your story. And what's been so interesting, Tom, is the fact that, like, you never know when that moment's going to happen. Exactly. And so, you know, so I had, you know, other events. So, you know, doing a great job loving, you know, the work, you know, at Salesforce. And then, you know, after a few years, you know, it wasn't so great. And um, another one of those lessons where I didn't think I had the right to say that this job wasn't meeting my needs. You know, let me interject because I saw that. I saw your energy go from the original high. And, and one of the reasons I'm happy to, and I'm thrilled to do this is because I want to talk about Salesforce at some point in the recent article they did on you. But I could see your energy um, diminishing. And yep. I was really curious. I kind of stay, stayed back and, you know, I, I always allow people to, you know, I, I, I'll make suggestions, but I don't try to coerce anybody. But it was fun to watch you at that point from the sense of what's going to be her next move. So go ahead. Two things happened um, at that time. So once I realized that this job wasn't meeting my needs, the job was eliminated, you know, which, again, was interesting. You know, I'd been through this before. And but interesting, they gave me 30 days to find a new adventure. And so either I was going to find a new adventure at Salesforce or they were paying me for 30 days to find an adventure outside of Salesforce. Either way was, you know, was good for me. 
So I did find an adventure uh, within Salesforce, but I got a chance to move over to their HR or their employee success team, which meant that I got a chance to learn a whole new business. You know, I'd never been in HR before. Um, and again, you know, did that for a couple years um, and enjoyed that. But what was so interesting, because the same thing happened, okay, I'm bored again. And I think that uh, I need a new adventure. You know, we at Salesforce, we talked about finding our next dream job. And so I started searching for my next dream job, um, thought that I had something lined up um, within Salesforce. But at the same time, the universe was saying, you know what, there's something more. And so one of my former VPs reached out to me um, that knew me from Salesforce and he'd moved to, you know, some different companies. Well, he had joined a company called ServiceNow. And I didn't know really anything about ServiceNow. But he basically, you know, said, we've seen the movie. We know how it ends. We get to change the ending. I think this would be a great adventure for you. And so he was really speaking my language. Um, but what I didn't know, again, because I trusted him, I'm like, okay, so I, you know, applied, um, you know, again, very quickly, I interviewed, next day, an offer came, you know, got the job started. And when I was starting the job, I said, okay, I've got some situations. I said, so first situation is I'm going to be traveling to Italy for two weeks, you know, just you know, three weeks after starting. And then my husband and I are going on a three-week adventure to Africa for our wedding anniversary. And, and they said, oh, I think that'll be fine. You know, you just start a couple weeks before you go to Italy. And so I was just like, okay. Well, and so, so what was great about that is then I just expanded, you know, my personal trip to include a business trip to the offices in Europe. Um, and... In the meantime, and this is a, this was the whole magic, you know, of the kind of my current, you know, life conditions, is the fact that I had, I guess it was five years ago, I had gone to a leadership meeting, and this is how you never know, like, what you're going to be signing up for, but I went to a leadership meeting in Chicago, and this was a group I traveled with, um, you know, we'd meet twice a year for the last, actually, almost 20 years, and it was awesome because we'd have inspirational speakers and kind of get reconnected. Um, and in this uh, meeting, uh, there was a woman that was going to speak to us um, who started an orphanage in India. And I had heard about this orphanage from a good friend that had traveled there. So I was interested because I knew a little bit about it. And so as the woman begins to speak, she's looking around the audience. There's about 30 of us in the audience and She's making eye contact just to kind of assess, you know, what's, what's happening here. And she and I make eye contact. And I hear from her later, um, she said, the look in my eye was actually piercing to the point that she was afraid. She said she had never experienced that intense, like, of a first moment with somebody like she experienced with me. Now, similar to, you know, the conversation, Tom, you and I were having when we first met, and what was happening to me is immediately, we're talking in the first five minutes of her speaking, I knew that I had to go to India. Now, I had been to India many times, and it wasn't actually my favorite place. I mean, just because it's like going to another planet. 
the energy is different. You know, there's just a lot going on. And so my logical mind is going, okay, Linda, it's India. Like, you didn't think you were ever going back to India. But my spiritual is like, you have to go. Like, this is not optional. Like, you have to go. And I'm like, okay. So literally within an hour, I had organized a, a trip, and I said, I'll take my friends because I don't know why I'm going, but if I take my friends, then I'm sure I'll have a good time. And so I ended up taking, you know, a group to India in February of 2017, which, again, think about this. Okay, this is, you know, a woman, a girl from Omaha, Nebraska, that thinks that she needs to lead a group to go to India. Like, what is that about? But, you know, I organized it. You know, there were people that signed up. And what was interesting is of the people that signed up in this group, there was 12 of us that traveled together. Only half the people actually knew me. So that means that the other half of this group signed up to go to India with Linda because Linda thought this was a good idea. I mean, we're talking 8,000 miles away, these people. And the other thing that was interesting about this group is the fact that, you know, I was the youngest in the group, meaning that we had a woman that was, you know, 58, 63, 65, 68, 70, 73, and we had a woman that was 79 years old that signed up to go to India with me on this trip. And, you know, some of my friends were going, Linda, you're crazy. I mean, this is a really hard trip. It's not safe for these women to go. Like, you're taking such a big risk. I don't think this is a good idea. And you know, honestly, that didn't um, really come into my mind. Um, and, you know, so we went on, the, you know, the trip. We all get there safely. You know, like two days into the trip, one of the gals with me, she said, so when are you going to organize your next trip? And I'm like, wait a second. Like, I haven't even, we haven't even started this one. I don't even know why I'm here. And I said, well, so this was February of 2017. I said, well, maybe February of 2019. And again, I was setting an intention. I didn't know at the time, but of course I did take another group in February of 2019. And what's important is for me that, you know, this experience with the orphanage and the kids and Sister Lucy at this orphanage, like this is, I, I now know, like I've been preparing my whole life for this mission. And so, again, this golden thread that is just allowing you, and I know that those kids, you know, sent Sister Lucy to go find me. And so it's such an interest, it's like, again, who could believe? And again, I, I, it wasn't going to be my favorite location. And since, since I met Sister Lucy, like, I've traveled five times to visit Sister Lucy, but most interestingly, my first big project at my new job at ServiceNow was a project in India. And so all of those trips were funded by my company. So the universe was just saying, hey, we've got this adventure in India, and so we need you to go to this new company so we can just make it really convenient. You can do great work at your company, but actually the most important part of this, you know, is your connection with this orphanage. And again, I knew nothing of that when I said yes to move from Salesforce, which again, people are like, you love Salesforce. That's crazy that you're leaving Salesforce. You don't know anything about this new company. And that's true. I didn't know anything about this new, this new company, but I trusted the leader 
And there was obviously something in me that knew that this was, you know, the right next adventure for me. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> again, I'm just, I'm shaking my head and I'm laughing and I'm like, this is an amazing story. I mean, if there's any story that validates that the golden thread, that there's a path that the, what validates why you want to jump from fear into courage, uh, why you want to take risks, why you have to um, trust. You want to talk about the, the trust uh, part of this, you know, because my whole thing, of course, is um, when you're you know, faced with something that your intellect can't figure out, that's the time you go to source and you let go when you trust. And obviously that's what's going on for you. What's interesting there, Tom, is is the fact that, again, as I mentioned, this fear thing, you know, had been a constant companion in my entire life. And there was a moment, you know, really my first invitation to take the step on the spiritual path came when I was invited to go to Russia. And the most important learning out of that trip was the fact that I could trust in a higher power. And you can, you know, call it what you want, divine forces, God, whatever you want to call it. But I knew when I was coming back from that trip that I actually could trust in a higher power and that I would be taken care of. And it, I may not understand, you know, all of what's happening, but that I, I absolutely could trust. And so, you know, that trust, similar to you know, when my job went away, you know, after such a long time at this company, I would get just a glimpse reminded me that I could trust. And and one just quick story, because it just, it helped me so much was literally within the first week after, you know, my job is eliminated. I, on Saturday morning, I went with my daughter to, you know, this um, event to, you know, buy some things. And then she went off, you know, to travel to Iowa. Well, I got a call that day, um, right after she left, um, that someone had found her checkbook. Now I was like, okay, this is very strange, because I just had seen her, I knew she had her checkbook, but now she's, you know, gone to Iowa. And so I checked her account quickly just to see if there was, you know, something to be concerned about and no new transactions. I'm like, okay. And so they gave me the phone number. And when I asked them, you know, for more information, they said, well, it's on the caller ID. And I thought that was a strange response. But when I looked at the caller ID, the name on the caller ID was a name I recognized. And I was like, that's strange. And so I, because it was weird, I asked my husband to come with me. So we drive, you know, to this address and go to the front door and say, you know, I'm here, you know, for my daughter's checkbook. And it was a young, you know, probably 12 or 14 year old. Um, and she said, I have it right here. And, and so I asked her, I said, so did your dad work at ACI? And she said, yeah. And I said, how interesting. I said, so could I get his cell number? So what was interesting is, I had to call and find out how he came up, you know, how he found her checkbook. And so I call Bob and he goes, yeah, he goes, I was driving, you know, I was going to Taekwondo, taking my son and Saturday morning and I'm on a two, you know, four lane um, divided road going about 50 miles an hour. 
And yet, the checkbook was on the side of the road in the gravel. And somehow, you know, divine forces basically said, hey, Bob, could you stop and pick up that checkbook? Because it's going to be important for Linda to, to get that back to her daughter. And so somehow he was guided to stop, pick up this checkbook on a Saturday morning as he's, you know, half asleep, taking his son to Taekwondo. And, but it was someone that I knew. And so, you know, I was feeling a little bit bad to no longer be part of the ACI family because I'd been, you know, for so many years. But the fact that, you know, the fact that now this was someone that I knew from the ACI family that was still helping me. And so I figured if God could take care of even the smallest of details of making sure that my daughter's checkbook was safe, that I did not have anything to worry about. And so that was just one of those, you know, miracle stories that happened that helped me renew this idea of, of what I could trust. <laughs> it's just it's not often I get blown away by uh you know one of these podcasts but we had a beautiful one yesterday and um this is uh <laughs> right up there uh, uh and and again I'm just jabbering here I I've um, you, you know somebody recently said to me um you know with all of the upheaval and everything going on and um very successful woman who achieved a lot and made a beautiful decision just as you, uh, I mean, it, how, how, how else can you feel when you hear someone say, you know, I got laid off, but the getting laid off meant I could spend this precious time with my dying sister and a dying friend. I mean, again, money's okay and we all need it, but that, that whole money time, uh, dilemma and it always comes out the time is the winner every single time and you and th- that's what you'll that's what you carry with you for the rest of your life is those moments that as you said your your peers didn't and, and didn't get because they decided you know they had other obligations so you know all of these things uh, so this person is kind of concerned that at 63 uh, after achieving uh, having an amazing professional life and um, you know, achieving a degree and then taking time to care for her father uh, for two years. I mean, how do you in a full time and how do you go back and grab that? You can't. And so she says something to me, which, you know, tells me that she's about to learn the secrets that you've learned and she says, well, who would hire somebody at 63 these days? And again, that is what we all do. And that's the intellect in, in playing o- over our gut and, and our, uh, our hearts and, and limiting ourselves and saying, but she has no idea what God and the universe and her higher self have planned and, you know, she's admitted to me that she has trouble with uh, letting go. And so I'm just, I know she'll be listening to this. So I'm saying, there's the key, you see, um, you know, that, that's it. That, that, that decision when you're at the edge of a cliff and all the other options are gone that you, 
you take that jump. So I'd like your exactly. comment on that. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, you know, again, if you're paying attention, there are clues that are going to help you. So, you know, for example, like the day that my job went away, you know, this company that I basically grown up spent my whole life at, um, I got an angel card in my severance package. Okay, like, like who gets an angel card in their severance package? <laughs> and so it was one of those things um, that helped me know that this was, you know, all orchestrated. And and I had an intuitive moment to realize that that day the job would be eliminated. And so I'd had a chance to, you know, clean up my laptop and, you know, get all my contacts and that type of thing. But as I walked into the building, I said, I am grateful for every experience, every relationship that this company has offered me. And I said, I will be graceful today. And I think that's one of those elements that prepared me. And so as I, you know, packed up all my stuff and I was leaving the building, you know, the person that was accompanying me, you know, she looked at me and just asked me, are you okay? And then she looked at me and she said, you are beaming. She said, what is going on here? And I said, I think it's time. And so to that point of, Nice. You know, being willing to let go of things, you know, it was clear that moment, like, I actually had already let go of the fact that this was no longer mine, right? So then I was not dragging it around and not being a victim and not being all the story. I was now, you know, getting ready for a next adventure. So I think but like if you would have told me, like I said, that it would be 42 weeks in preparation for my next adventure. And clearly I had a lot of unlearning to do. Right. And so I think it's important to realize that the universe is going to definitely give you your time. And, you know, taking care of my sister and my friend was great, but, you know, there was a lot of time that I had to really dig deep and, you know, understand where I was. And I had to trust, like I had to trust. So I think that uh, these limiting beliefs that we have at times about what's possible um, and the fact that nobody, you know, I'm too old or whatever, the idea is, is, I mean, getting clear, for me, it was getting clear on what I love, like what am I good at and what do I love? And just keep focused on that. What am I, you know, what am I good at? What do I love? And then I would tell that story to anybody that would listen. So helping the universe, you know, remember what, is, what am I good at and what do I love to, to help me attract, you know, what, you know, what the next adventure, you know, would, would be. Um, but the other part that was so interesting, like I mentioned, you know, the adventure with Sister Lucy and the orphanage, in my wildest dreams, I could not have said that that, was even on my list. And so it's a perfect example where the divine, you know, had a much greater plan and all I needed to do was say yes. And so when, when I had that feeling with Sister Lucy and I knew I had to go, you know, my logical mind that said, you don't really even like India could have just shut me down right then. But my yeah. heart knew you have to go. And so being able to, 
understand what's happening in your logical mind, just like the you know trek in the Himalayas versus the house penguins. You know, the logical mind would say, I think you need to do the house penguins, Linda. But I'm like, wait a second. But what can I say yes to? And so this is a case where you know having that possibility of what can I say yes to because you don't know where that's going to lead you. And so for me, that's, you know, when I'm not sure, like, I'll just be quiet and just see what's coming and what can I say yes to. <laughs> I'm speechless. I, I, I'm having one of those moments and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs. I think it, you know, pro or con, he, in spite of all of the wonderful, I mean, he, yeah, he had some issues with his family and stuff, but in uh, in the amazing achievements he did in creating the first trillion dollar company, and but he was also a great philosopher, and you know, I love the fact that he says you never know <clears throat> where the dots in your life are going, looking forward, but when you look back, they all make sense. So I'm sitting here <clears throat> today in a place that I never thought I would be. And I'm thinking back to you, all I wanted to do was eat in peace. And you came up and I said, uh, and the next thing I know, how many years later, you are so eloquent, so sincere, so um, at peace with yourself. I mean, and exactly, you're right. I mean, that, the day I got that phone call and the fact that you decided to call me, after years of us not talking, you know, um, and I, I heard the frightened gal. I heard the fear. And to hear you now, I mean, you're absolutely fearless. And we, we t- entitled this, this um, podcast, The Road from Fear to Magic. And you're absolutely in a magical place right now. Oh, I am. It's a... Uh... It's quite the adventure, um, and I look forward to the, the next, you know, the next dot, as you mentioned. Um, what is that dec- next dot that I'm going to connect to that's going to connect me, you know, to, you know, the next magic in my life? Yeah, I, it's, uh, <laughs> it's so often, uh, so rare, rather, <clears throat> that I've you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm in awe. I mean, I'm, we're communicating here right now on a, on a, we're totally, um, you know, there's nothing for me to, <laughs> it's very rare that I can't throw something, you know, uh, you know, out there, cast out to say, well, you know, have you tried this or you do this? You've got it all down. You, you, you are truly a master. You've, um, you've mastered it. And it, 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 every time I see photos coming from India, and it, you mentioned two things that were significant in the last five minutes. You said um, uh, gratitude, appreciation. For, instead of being PO'd at um, ACI, you were grateful. You mm-hmm. walked out and said, well, it's time. And we're grateful and then the other key word, which I think um, it's kind of funny by doing these podcasts, we've 
um, we're focusing on the people I do them with. We're focusing on the, the fact that we're going to not dwell on all of the mayhem and confusion and chaos and uh, all the things that are going on, but we want to find people like you that we can tell positive stories of how their lives changed and the opportunities and the magic that's going on. So you, you use the word victim. You decided not to be a victim. And my God, if you think what drives me crazier than anything these days is this emphasis on being a victim, that people are gravitating there to, um, to find a, a validation for whatever anger or whatever else they have. And so here you get fired from a job, and the two things going through your head is I'm grateful, and I'm not a victim. And those are powerful steps for you to take the, to first of all, realize the opportunities that are coming your way and for you to leave victimization and become uh, a victor, you know, from victim to victor for somebody who's out there uh, leading the charge and and going to orphanages. and, 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 And the thing that I see always, 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 always comes through with you is love. You have found love and you talk about it all the time. And one of the things that you've become cognizant of, and I have through looking at you and again, when we get to get together is you're getting younger. It is interesting when you see the pictures um, and people comment about like, what has just happened? I mean, we're talking like 20 years younger, right? And so that part you can see, you know, is making me stronger, more healthy, you know, joyful, and like you say, filled with love. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fabulous story. The, uh, I just want to touch on one other thing. I think that, again, the thread, uh, Salesforce, you sent me uh, a magazine article that they decided to do on the alumni of Salesforce. Think of that. To me, I resonated when I saw that. The fact that kudos to Salesforce to to all of a sudden say, well, just because the person's not here anymore, what kind of example does that set when they call you up and say, hey, you were so you left such an impression here and you were an asset to this company. And obviously it speaks to the vibration that you send out and you're caring and you're loving. And they come to you and they write this beautiful article about you to to and it. What, what does that speak of? That says to the current population there, the employees, we value you. You know, not not only when you're here, but we want to track you down later on to find out how you're doing in life. And just as the the, the gentleman who found your daughter's checkbook, th- that those connections, those dots continue. So kudos to you that you, whatever you did there, got you that recognition and that attention. And kudos to them for <clears throat> realizing what value something like that has. It was really fun to be able to reflect, you know, so in doing the interview with them when they said, so, you know, what, you know, what was your favorite thing, you know, as far as how you contributed to Salesforce and, you know, what actually did you learn at Salesforce that's contributed, you know, to your continued, you know, and one of the things that I said, um, because I, I, again, I give a huge, uh, 
credit to Salesforce in the fact that they have this program where they really encourage their employees to give back to the community. And so first it was money, and it's easy to write checks, right? And But the idea was is they incented us not only to write checks, but to actually give of our time. And so I didn't really understand that until I worked at Salesforce. And so now, of course, with the work that I'm doing, you know, with the orphanage, you know, all of that, you know, is really because, you know, Salesforce reminded us and challenged us and made sure because they knew employees that were engaged in their community and doing things that they loved, serving others, we know that is so, so good for for people's renewal, for people's energy. And so, you know, again, it's a, it's a good situation for the company because it renews and re-energizes people when they're giving back to their community. So that was one of the big lessons that, you know, I learned at Salesforce. Isn't that amazing? And that's what we're starting to uncover in this, uh, um, you know, Will Smith, uh, I don't know how one of his, I, I just think he's a fabulous force, a fabulous entertainer and a fabulous, fabulous example of these, in these times. And he had given a, a, a an interview and he talked about his drive, his his passion is for acting and his drive that he wanted to be one of the best and best well-known and best actors and highest paid actors in Hollywood. And he said after he achieved all of that, and it's similar to um, Jim Carrey's beautiful um, videos about saying, I hope everybody who wants, who, you know, has these goals, he says, I hope you, you get every single one of them, the, the money, the fame, uh, whatever. He says, because at that point, you're going to find out it's not enough. And, you know, my l- recent learning about stories, you know, the all great stories start with the hero or heroine setting out to achieve a, a tangible goal. And along the way, the real story is the intangible goal that they find. So Will Smith said, it's not, uh, it's it, what I found out. Once I got all that stuff, I wasn't happy. And he says, only when I started to do things for others, to think of somebody other than myself, only then did I find happiness. And lo and behold, here we are at the end of the podcast, and <laughs> there it is again. It's it's being it's the selflessness. It's uh, and what a bright you know. This has been a wonderful week of of podcasts because uh, I think we're you know what we're trying to do and what is happening is we're we're sending out light in in a place where you can just see darkness and you know when this whole thing happened i again from my story uh learning about story and what constitutes great story and the hero's journey every hero to be a great story has to come to a place where all is lost where he experiences the dark night of the soul because then he will transform. He was he will be the, the 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 butterfly the caterpillar that he was will no longer be. The caterpillar has to die. So the hero has to die. So in your case, you had to die as that fear fearful fearful woman, little girl, whatever from Nebraska. You, that had to go. Those and, and they come they never come 
when you're riding high, mm-hmm. but you lose your job. You, you're wondering about, you're fearful about the money. You're fearful. And then you realize that these, this, these adversities are so big that you can't possibly solve them yourself. You need help. In, in every story, the, the hero assembles an army and he goes and he, and he finds his higher self and he finds courage. So the, you, you set out to get something tangible, to, to take the castle, to make money, save the damsel, whatever it is. And along the way, you find out that it's the intangibles. It's love that's important. It's courage that's important. It's forgiveness that's important. And you've done all that. You you really are in a magical realm right now. And I just, I, <laughs> going back, I, I think of that day. And who knew that it would lead to this wonderful moment we're having? Yeah, it's been quite a journey, Tom. And, and, you know, I kind of, there's a book called Tuesdays with Maury, and that book had a huge impact on my life. And I think about, you know, the time that you and I have spent, you know, at your kitchen table, uh, you know, those times of kind of going back, you know, we're never sure who's the teacher and who's the student um, as we're walking this path together. But yeah, that, that idea of we're both learning, we're both practicing, um, and, you know, kind of sharing with each other, you know, the things that, you know, we're learning. Yeah, and, and just, um, you know, every once in a while you get lost in, and again, especially with the times, there's so much to react to in anger and, uh, uh, you know, and, and skepticism and uh, doubt. And uh, so I need moments like this. And, um, and I think we're on a new path to do this. And uh, so when, <laughs> I mean, when, when it's that one flew over the cuckoo's, cuckoo's nest thing, once we keep setting more people and free and positive and fearless, I mean, that's the, that's the best we can do, isn't it? Yeah. And basically walking our own path. I mean, what I learned was the fact that, it wasn't mine to do for anybody else, actually, like with my children. But if I'm active on my own path and by modeling it, that's the best way that I can help others on their path is because they see, they've watched, they ask questions, and just like you and I, you know, share stories about, you know, the path that we're on. And, um, and I think that's what gives people that, I guess, confidence, and trust and, and sometimes, you know, just curiosity of like, like, what was that about? Like, how did that happen? Right. And so then they're just like, Oh my gosh, you know, listen to that story. And, and it helps them get inspiration on being able to have courage to take those same steps in their lives. You know, I, I think you told me you listened to yesterday's podcast with Rosemary. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Both of you came to this point. She said the same thing. She had to learn to walk her own path. Path. She said almost identically to what you're saying today. And you're right. I remember when I was going through my divorce, and I was so confused. I was getting opinions from anybody and everybody. And a guy who was a deep, deep friend and a, just had a great sense of reality and life. And he told me, he said. Um, you know, he says in the service, one of the things they teach you when the, 
when the the army is moving, he said they especially in mud, everybody's creating tracks. And he said, what they teach you to do in order to make efficient progress is not to ever step in somebody else's tracks, to always make your own tracks. And when he said that to me, you know, again, he came along, he was my angel in that process. And that's when I put down all the other opinions and decided to to go that route and it's it's the road less traveled and and the party you know i think what we have to tell people too none of this is easy it kind of seems easy now after all of the ways we've tested this in our lives but none of this is easy especially at first and you want to just address that for a second yeah although it's interesting because i think you might remember so i did have a belief system that everything had to be hard and so you had to work hard, it was going to be hard, and just you had to plan for hard. And in, you know, one of these other lessons that I had to basically unlearn or shift my belief system is that it could be easy. And so I went to Staples, bought my easy button, several easy buttons as a matter of fact. And while I was off for those 42 weeks, I started to change my belief system that it can be easy. So when I think about my connection with Sister Lucy in the orphanage, I did nothing for that to happen. When I think about, you know, how I connected with Cynthia, you know, in France, it showed up in my dream. I did nothing to attract that. When I think, so, right, and so for me, I had to let go of a lot of things. So the hard part, (laughs) to your point, is the kind of the letting go and the being patient part, right? And the trusting part. So the, all those things are actually hard when you're when you're in it. But the idea of the the actual the connection of the dots and letting the divine, you know, help script this. That's the part that's easy. So it was interesting because you're exactly right. There was a hard part. Um, but I had to also learn easy in order, I think, for many of these connections to just happen. Exactly. And that's, that's, I'm glad you made that distinction. At the first, it's to give up, to let, to let, let something invisible, something intangible, to give your life over and trust this thing that you can't see, feel, touch, that you have no idea where it's going. And, and, and that is, but then you're right. And it's, you know, I mean, <laughs> this is what Star Wars, that was the message with Star Wars at the end of the movie when Luke is going through that, uh, you know, through the, the valleys and, 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 and he hears Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan comes from the other side and he said, Luke, Luke, let go, Luke. Feel the force, Luke. And uh, when I heard uh, Joseph Campbell talk about that in one of his uh, lectures, and, and he says, what happens in the audience? The, innately, we all know this, even though we, we are so resistant to doing it. I think that that is the golden thread. That's the path we're really led to, is that it, it's so hard to do. And yet, when he does it in the movie, I think the unconscious, he says, everybody cheers. Everybody goes crazy. Because deep down, we know that, even though we're so reluctant to, to do it.
Yeah, it's a lesson. Yeah. Well, this is uh thank you for wanting to do this. It's uh it's it's um it's been a wonderful two days and uh I'm doing another one tomorrow and I think we're uh, I know we're on the right path and for the people who who've tuned in, I hope that uh it's it's so wonderful not to just preach this stuff but to engage in a, a, a back and forth uh, with a master, and I, 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 <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> I do believe it, and I've seen the progression. But you're right. I mean, I have previous memories, and wow! And you are walking a a clear and peaceful path, and um, you're a light to so many. That the work you're doing in the art orphanage, and uh, thank you for coming on here because the the people we reach. On this one, this is a this is a great podcast, and I think it will help a lot of people who are on the edge take the leap. Anything else you want to add? Thank you, Tom. Just uh, you know, to be walking the path with me. Oh, and I just have to tell you, I love you. Yeah, I love you too, Tom. All right, thank you so much. Keep up the good work and uh, keep shining that light, kid. <laughs> Good care. Okay, Linda. Bye-bye. All right. Great. Thanks. All right, folks. There it is. Wow. Uh, That's all I can say. Um, Wow. And I hope really that what we're doing here, I can feel my energy just building thanks to Rosemary yesterday and to Linda today. And I'm going to talk to a good friend of mine tomorrow, Pat Napoli. He's got a comeback story. Um, One by one, we're we're uh, setting out examples for everybody to hopefully push them along to the next path. Thank you so much. And please tune into the next podcast.